that the Lord bless them and, and keep them out there and, and keep them healthy. Amen. Amen. So we can open our Bibles this morning to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. And today I want to, with the help of the Lord, I want to talk to you all on the following topic. Jesus Christ, all-sufficient. Jesus Christ, all-sufficient. Amen. We can turn on the lights, please. If you don't have your Bible, it's up here. If you have your Bible, follow along. Amen. It says the following. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and a revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. There are in a, these are in accordance with the working of the strength in his might which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Jesus Christ, all sufficient. Let's go before the Lord. Father, we thank you. We bless you. We glorify your name. You are here with us. You are guiding us, my God. Lord Jesus, you are here in amongst our midst, my Lord. Your presence is palpable, my God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you rescue us. We thank you, Lord, that you saved us. We thank you, Lord, that you opened our eyes, my God. We thank you, Lord, that you regenerated us. We thank you that you justified us, Lord. You make us holy before you. We thank you, Lord, for all the blessings and all the gifts you have given us, Lord. And we pray, Lord, this morning, my God, that your word, Lord Jesus, be clearly spoken, my God. That today's preaching, teaching be clearly spoken, Lord so that we may be edified in you, my God, and grow in the knowledge of you, my Lord. We thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may take your seats this morning. <clears throat> so when Paul writes to the Ephesian church, Paul writes to us, Paul writes to us in, in, this, in this epistle, in the manner in which every Christian should live. Every Christian should live in this world to reflect how their relationship is with God. In other words, if the Christian has a strong relationship with God, then the Christian will remain strong in this world and decisive in the manner in which they live morally and ethically. Also, if the Christian relationship is weak toward the Lord toward God, then the Christian will struggle 
to maintain a decisive moral and ethical walk in this world. As Christians, Paul is going to tell us and is telling us in the book of Ephesians that the way we walk with Christ is going to determine our conduct in this world. There's going to be no greater factor in the Christian's life than your walk with the Lord and how you are going to walk in this world. You can walk, if your walk with the Lord is weak, then every struggle, every trial you face, every situation you face, you're not going to face it with a heavenly perspective. You're not going to face it with a divine perspective. You're not going to face it with a biblical perspective. You're going to, you're going to trans, translate that in a very earthly human perspective. But if your walk with the Lord is strong, if your walk with the Lord is strong and solid, then whatever you're going to face in this world, however adverse it might be, your perspective and your mindset is going to be heavenly. It's going to be divine. It's going to be biblical. And you're going to respond and act in an unhuman-like manner because you're going to respond and act to every adverse situation in your life, you're going to respond in a heavenly way. In a way in which the characteristics of God, of the Holy Spirit living in you, are going to show forth. That's why people will say, aren't you perplexed? Aren't you troubled? Doesn't this bother you? This situation that you're living in, doesn't it bother you? But because you have a heavenly perspective on it, you're going to be able to say, you know what it does? But I know my God has everything under control. I know it does. But you know what? God is sufficient for me. I know it does. But you know what? God is with me and he's going to help me get through this. There is no situation so adverse that you have to give up as a Christian. The world learns how to give up really easily. Because they have no other recourse. They have no one to lean on. They have no one but themselves. But we as Christians, we don't just have ourselves and we don't have ourselves only. We have God on our side. There is no reason a Christian should ever give up on, on any situation they face. However adverse it might be. However long it might be. However difficult it might be there is nothing in this world that should make a Christian say I'm done I'm done I'm just going to give up there's no hope there's no hope for me there's no hope for this situation there's no outcome that I can see that is possible that is going to be good because this is just a messed up situation I'm just going to stop see that is saying to God, you are insufficient for every situation in my life. You're not enough. That is saying to God, thank you for saving me, but you're not enough for here, for what I'm going through right now. You're not enough for anything in my life right now. See, the Christian's perspective and mindset that Paul is going to tell us by writing to the people in Ephesus is this, that Jesus is sufficient for everything. That we have in Christ everything that we need 
to succeed as a Christian, to get through every trial that we're going to face, that we don't need more. We just need Jesus. All we need is him in our lives because he's going to tell us if we come to understand him, if we come to understand he's sufficient. If we come to lean on his power, we come to understand his power is sufficient. If we come to understand who he is and where he sits and who he is, that he is sufficient over all things. So in verses 15 through 17, excuse me, Paul commends the church of Ephesus because of their, because of their love for Jesus Christ, their love for the saints. He commends them for that. They are commended for that. And every Christian, every Bible-believing church should be commended for their love for the saints and their love for the Lord Jesus Christ. But Paul doesn't stop there. Paul now mentions to the Ephesians what it is that he is praying for the Ephesians. This is his intercessory prayer for them. Which is also what we need. He says this, that you may that he may give to us a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. A spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. What does it mean by spirit? God has given you the Holy Spirit when you believed. If not, you wouldn't have been able to believe. God has baptized you with his spirit. God has given us his spirit. But he's not talking about necessarily the Holy Spirit here, which is already given to us when we first believe. What he's talking about here is in spirit, he's talking about a disposition, a way to look at things, a way to look at life, a way to look at situations, a way to look at how we are living our life in regards to what we know about Jesus Christ, how we know and what we know about God. It is not just living, it's just not knowing, but it's how I'm living is going to reflect how much I know about God. You know very little about God. You have your, your disposition and, and your understanding and the way you're going to live this life is going to be very poorly. You have great understanding of God and God is giving you wisdom to understand his word. Then you're going to live this life knowing and being confident in him. So the spirit here that he's talking about is a disposition. It is an understanding of God that goes beyond just reading God's word. But clarity in regards to what God has provided us to live and walk in newness of life, walk in the spirit of God, walk in victory, and walk in assurance of salvation. That's very important for us to understand. I have to know that every day I am a victor. Not because of what I do, but because of who lives inside of me. I have to know every day that my salvation is assured. I can't lose my salvation, even if I try, because I didn't gain my salvation. He gave me salvation. So there's nothing in my power to lose salvation. I can't walk away from salvation. I can walk away from the Lord. But if I'm the Lord's, then he's going to correct me and bring me back. Whether sick, whether whole, whether lame, whether blind, but he's going to bring me back. But I have to walk assured of my salvation. I can't think that, well, am I going to lose my salvation today or am I going to keep it? No, I got to walk confidently that the moment that I wake up, I'm saved. I'm saved. God has saved me. 
I have to know. I have to know that he has provided everything I need to walk in this new life. To walk in this life that he has appointed me to. That he has called me to. I have to know that I can walk assured that God is with me every step of the way. And that this newness of life comes from him. It is not something I created. I didn't create a new life. He created the new life in me. To be able to walk and be with him. To be able to respond to him. And to know. And to know that I'm going to walk in the spirit of God. That today I'm going to make the decisions that are necessary for me to walk according to his will. To walk according to his path. Not because I'm the greatest or brightest person in the world. No, but because he has called me. But because he is with me. But because he lives inside of me. And that's what Paul is saying. You have to have this disposition in you. To walk in this world, to walk assured of your salvation, to walk assured of your newness of life, to walk assured in in, in victory, and to walk assured in the spirit of God. If you can open your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3, please. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. And look at what Peter says to the people, to to the church. He says this, seeing that his divine power... Has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Do you see where we get this power? Where we get this divine power that has been granted to us? Why? Because he has called us by his own glory. By his own excellence. You didn't call yourself to be a Christian. He called you. You didn't call yourselves into this grace. He called you into this grace. You didn't call yourselves into the throne room of God. He permitted you to come into the throne room of God. It is not by your power nor by your might that you stand. It is by the divine power of God that he has given us that has granted us everything. See, Peter is making it very, very clear here that everything that we have that we need to live this Christian life has already been given to you. You cannot add more to it as well as you cannot take anything away from it. It is already there for you. Everything that we need in Christ is there to live this life successfully. There are no impoverished Christians. There are no spiritually impoverished Christians. Because God has granted us everything we need for life. And godliness. Everything. That means there is no lacking in anything. That means that God, that Jesus is all sufficient. Because Paul is wanting for the church to get clarity that God has supplied all we need to succeed in our walk. We sometimes fast. And sometimes we fast with the wrong perspective. Sometimes we fast, oh, Lord, I'm going to fast because I need more of you. And when we read in the word of God that that's not what fasting is for. 
Fasting is for a breaking down of your will to be enjoined to the will of God to do the purposes of God. That's why it's, it's very, it's, it, 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 when John said that I may decrease so that you may increase, John the Baptist said. See, fasting is for that. I fast not to gain favor with God, not to gain power of God. I fast for the breaking down of this spirit that tries to resurrect every day and try to take control of what's happening. No, I have to fast to break this spirit down so that I, so then the spirit of God can take full control of me and me walk in the walk that he has, that he has already assigned for me to walk. To do what God has already called me to do. That's why we fast. And there's a very popular saying, and, and I might step on some toes this morning. But there's a very popular saying that says, more prayer, more power. Less prayer, less power. If that were true if my prayer could make a change of that power. That would be very true if I had that much power in my prayer to do that. See, why do I pray? I pray to humble myself before God. I pray so that I can understand God. I pray so that I can do his will. Because God has already given me all the power I need. God has given to us all the power that we need because the power of God is not limited to my prayer life. If that were true, some of you would not be able to face what you face every day. My, my prayer life does not limit the power of God because then the power of God would be limited to how much I pray. So a person here that prays 8, 10 hours a day, the power of God should be awesome. But that might not always be the case. The power of God isn't limited to how much I pray. Because then I would turn that into works. And the moment I turn something into works, that's the moment that I annul the grace of God. Everything that I have and all the power that I need, God has already granted it to me. To succeed in this Christian life. To go pray for someone and for them to be healed. Because I am not the one healing them. It is God healing them. I am not the one that's saving somebody. It is God saving them. I am not the one opening somebody's eyes to see. It is God opening their eyes to see their condition to be saved. It is not me. It is God doing the work. When I pray, prayer then becomes an avenue to which I say, God, do what you will in my life and help me understand when you're doing your will in my life so that I can get to the side and allow you to do everything that you want to do, to manifest the power that you want to manifest so that your name can be glorified, so that you can be exalted. Because at the end of the day, if God is not being exalted, there is something wrong. At the end of the day, if my name is the one that comes up in the lips of people, there is something wrong. Because at the end of the day, God is the one that has to be exalted above all things. That's why Jesus Christ said in Gethsemane, not my will, but your will be done. 
Let this cup pass through me. I don't want to be sacrificed. I don't want to go through this painful death. But if that is your will for me, then let it be so. See, that's what our prayer life is about. It's about, Lord, let me understand the moments that you want to act so that I can be sensitive enough to allow you to act for your name to be glorified, for your name to be exalted. And not let me have a prayer life to think that my prayer life is somehow going to get me more or get me more of you. At that point, Lord, then my prayer life becomes works. And when something becomes works, it becomes burdensome. It becomes heavy. It becomes laborious. But the moment that my prayer life is attached to the life that God has given me, is attached to grace, is attached to mercy, is attached to the compassion that Christ has shown me, then my prayer life will have meaning. Then my prayer life will be more than what it is. And then God will be able to manifest himself through me more and more because I'm coming to understand him more and more. Prayers for me to communicate with God and to understand how God moves and be willing to move in the direction that God moves so that he can manifest his power and authority and might and ultimately be glorified. See, what Paul wants us to understand, it is not about getting more of God. I can't get more of God than what I already have. There's a song that says, more love, more power, more of you in my life. I can't get more of God than what he's already given me. We can't. Because then at that point I say, God, you didn't give me enough. God, you know, you, 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 you held out on me. God, you're not, I mean, are you really sufficient? And no, God is all sufficient, all the time. Nothing lacks in God. There is no shadow of turning in God. If you think God hasn't given you all that you need, brother and sister, then your theology is wrong. Then your understanding of God is incorrect. Because God has given you everything you need the moment that you were justified, the moment that you believed, the moment that he placed his spirit in you. God gave you everything you need in this life to be able to live a successful Christian life. Because see, it's about how we apply what we know about God to, through in our lives. Because he has already given us that. So what is our mindset to be? Our mindset is to understand that God has already provided what I need to live in him and to believe that God has not, then to believe that God has not supplied all I need to live in him is to think that God has held back on me until I perform some deed or some work then that means that I don't have, an, I don't have faith in him. That I, then that means that I am living faithless in him. See, Paul wrote to the Colossian church, the church in Colossus. He told them the following in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, if you'd be so kind to open your Bible. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. He told them the following. He told them the following. He said, See to it that no one takes you captive 
through philosophy and empty deception. According to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. What he was telling them is this. There's nothing you need to add to your knowledge of God that's going to help you walk better with God. There's nothing more you need to add. You don't need to add anything else. What you know about Christ is all you need to know to live a successful life, to be assured of your salvation. That's what you need to know. If you know him and you know this word, that's all you need. Because the spirit of God, the word of God says, teaches us what we need to know. Paul says, I don't need a teacher. I have the spirit of God. I don't need a teacher to teach me. The spirit of God lives inside of me. And the moment that I open this word, the moment that I ingest this word, and the moment that I meditate on this word, the spirit of God begins to reveal to me what it is that I have and what it is that's going to help me get through everything in my life. See, this word of God that we hold in our hands or in our phones is enough for us to understand who God is, what he has granted us to live this Christian life. We don't need anything else. Amen. It's good to go to seminars. It's good to come to the to the service. It's good to go to camps. It's good to go to different church events. That's good. But my salvation and, my, and, the, my justif and the justification I have and the sanctification that I live and the righteousness that lives in me does not depend on that. It depends on what I know about him. That's where it depends. It depends what I know about him. And if I know enough of him, I'm going to make it through everything. There's going to be nothing too difficult for me. There's going to be nothing too difficult for you. There's nothing impossible for you if you put your faith and trust in him. Because see, in Colossians chapter 2 verse 9, he tells them this about Christ. He says, Christ Jesus is all who God is in power, authority, righteousness, holiness, because God dwells in him. In him dwells the Godhead bodily. In other words, everything there need that you everything about God is in Jesus Christ. That's why it's the name above all names. That's why no demon can resist the, the name of Jesus. That's why the sons of Siva understood that very clearly. When they went to try to to try to expel a demon, rebuke a demon. They say, in the name that Paul preaches. And they're like, Paul I know, Jesus I know, you I don't know. And you know the rest of the story if you haven't read it in Acts chapter 17. See, at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow one day. Every tongue is going to confess one day. Whether they're atheists, whether they're agnostic, whether they were Buddhist, whether they were Mormon, whether they were Jehovah Witnesses, whether they were Catholic. Every, one day, every knee is going to bow to that precious name of Jesus. Because it is the name above all names. 
That's why we find in the book of Acts that there is no name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. There is no other name by which salvation is granted but through the name of Jesus. That's why we baptize in the name of Jesus Christ because it is the only name that saves. In verse 10, he says, you are made complete in Christ. In verse 11, he says, you have been separated to him in the spirit. You have been sanctified to him. There is no penitence that you could do to be sanctified. God separated you to him. You are of God and no one can take you from him. The same with justification. You have been justified the day that you believed. You were made right before God the day you believed on him. You cannot make yourself any more right than you are before God than the day that you believed on him. You were made right. Period. End of story. Justification means this. I believed in God. I put my faith in him. He justified me. He made me right before him. I'm done. Now I can live in sanctification. Now I can continue in holiness. Because he made me right the day I believed. That's what Paul says in the book of Romans. He made me right the day I believed. There's no penitence I can do to make myself more right. He already made me right. That's why we can enter boldly into the holy of holies. Because of Jesus Christ. And because we were justified in him. Why do you think the Bible says of Abraham that he was justified by faith? What Abraham believed of God justified him, made him right by faith. The moment that Abraham believed in God, you might say, well, baptism in Jesus' name wasn't there at present at the time of Abraham. He didn't need that. He needed just to believe in God, and that made him right before God. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, the Bible said he died for everybody who believed prior to him and everybody who believes after him. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, all the saints in the past were saved, and all the saints in the future were saved because they were justified before Christ died on the cross. We were made right. You can't make yourself more right than what you already are. That's why we can continue to walk as Christians, crucifying the flesh with this lust and walk after Jesus Christ. In verse 12, he says, in baptism you were buried to the old life and now you walk as a new creation in Christ Jesus Showing the deeds of a new transformed life. That's what he tells the church of Colossus in chapter 2 verse 12. A life that shows that you have been born again. A life that shows that you have been transformed. That your mind has been renewed. That your spirit has been regenerated to respond to him. That's what he did when he died on the cross. That's what happens when you believe on him. That's what happens when you put your trust in him. That's what happens when your life is sanctified. He has already provided what we need to walk in newness of life. How different our struggles would be if we prayed, Lord, 
I know you have supplied all I need to carry me through this struggle. Allow me to rest on your grace as your grace is sufficient for me. How different struggles would be in our lives, wouldn't they? It'd be very different. Lord, I'm just going to rest on you. I'm going to trust you. You'd be the happiest, go lucky person anybody would ever know. Nobody would ever believe you have a trial in your life. No one. I mean, people would look at you and say, What are you taking? What is the secret? What is the secret to your to your just nonchalantness of just you just able to walk and have a smile on your face? It's because you learn, look. I just need to rest on him. He already gave me what I need to make it through this trial. How different our life would be if we would say, Lord, your word says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Lord, give me wisdom to properly apply your word to my daily life so that I might glorify your name to me and bless you. Help me walk assured, Lord, today. Help me walk assured today. Lord, help me apply your life. Help me apply your word to my life today. And whatever I face, however tough it might be, help me apply your word today. Because your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I shouldn't be in darkness at all. There should be no darkness around me. There should be no darkness. Everything should be illuminated to me. Because it's his word in my life, acting in my life to give me clarity on how to deal with every situation in my life. See, what Paul is saying to us is, is that Christ is sufficient for us. Earlier on in Ephesians chapter 3. Earlier on in Ephesians chapter, verse 3, Paul says, in chapter 1, verse 3, Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. There's no need to ask for more. Every spiritual blessing. Every means everything. Every means everything. There is no lack of anything that we need. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing already. See, Paul wants us to understand the richness of all that God has supplied to us. And that there is no lack in him. How do we gain this wisdom and knowledge of him? Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Verse 1, how do we gain this knowledge of God, this wisdom of God? Colossians chapter 3 says the following, verse 1. Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. How do I walk assured of my salvation? How do I confidently in victory? How do I walk confidently in knowing the will of God? How do I walk? I continue to seek him. There is, there is not a day where I don't seek him. 
There is not a day where I don't go after him. You know what, what is the one thing about Jesus Christ when he was walking on earth that he did every day? Every day, Christ sought God. Every single day. He would separate himself from the apostles, disciples, and go pray. Every day, he would go pray. Every day, he would seek God. The question for you this morning is this. Are you seeking God on a daily basis? Or on a daily basis, is God an afterthought? Is God on a daily basis for you an afterthought at the end of your day when you're getting ready to go to sleep? Oh, I forgot to pray. Oh, I forgot to read the word of God today. Oh, let me, let me just get a chapter in. Unless that's your routine where you say the last hour of my day I'm going to dedicate it to the Lord. That's different. An afterthought is, oh, well, tomorrow. I'll get to it tomorrow. Oh, I'll get to it tomorrow. The Christian struggles in this life. Because their relationship with God is lacking. The Christian has allows trouble to overwhelm them because their life with Christ is lacking. A Christian allows trouble to overcome them because their Christian life is lacking. A Christian allows trouble and struggles to overtake them and be controlled by them. Because their Christian life, their life with Christ is lacking. And see, how do I gain this wisdom to be able to say, today, I'm a Christian. Today, nothing's going to move me from this rock on which I stand. How do I do that? By seeking him today. By seeking him right now. Therefore, Colossians 3.1, if you have been raised up with Christ... Keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. I'm going to very quickly go through the other three points that I have today. <clears throat> we must know that Jesus is sufficient. We must know that Jesus is sufficient. In verse 18, if you can go with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. Paul says the following in verse 18. He says to the Ephesian church. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And when he's talking about heart... In the word of God, many times heart is the seed of emotions, the seed of thought, the seed of intellect. And what Paul is saying here is saying heart, the way he's using it, is heart is the seed of understanding. I pray that your understanding may be enlightened. I pray that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened. Because the Greek word here is dianoia. Which means to understand. Paul here is saying the following. It is not about feelings. Your Christian walk is not about feelings. Feelings and emotions are needed in the Christian walk. They are powerful in the Christian walk. As long as they're guided and under the authority of the Spirit of God, they're effective. They're great. 
But what Paul is saying here, it is not about whether you feel or don't feel. It is not about whether you sense or don't sense. It's about the fact that you need to know that you are a child of God. You need to know that you are a child of the living God. You need to understand the truth by which you have been redeemed and by which humanity is going to be redeemed by God. You need to understand that one, when we go back to chapter 1 of Ephesians, he, Paul tells him this. You need to know in verse 4 of chapter 1, he says, you need to know that you have been chosen. Everybody that is a Christian has been chosen by God. Verse 5, you need to know that you have been adopted by God. Every Christian has been adopted by God, has been given the spirit of adoption, says Paul in the book of Romans. Every Christian to be able to cry out to God, Abba, Father. Every Christian, every believer has the right to call out to God because you have the spirit of adoption in you. And by having the spirit of adoption, you also inherit all the blessings that God has already promised you in his word. Verse 7, you have been redeemed and you have been forgiven. You can't be more forgiven than when you were forgiven the day that you believed. You can't be more redeemed than the day that you were redeemed the day that you were believed. There is no, more, there is no greater redemption. There is no like this great awesome redemption. No, you've been redeemed. You were redeemed. You can walk in newness of life. Verse 8, he has given you wisdom and insight through his spirit. Verse 9, he makes you to know the mystery of his will. You know how we know the will of God? You want to know the will of God? Many times we pray, Lord, let me know your will. Read his book. It's that simple. Lord, I want to know your will for my life. It's right here. Have you read this book today? Have you opened it? Have you studied it? Have you meditated on it? He gives us to know the mystery of his will. In verse 11, we have obtained an inheritance through God's predestined plan of salvation. Verse 13, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit until we are redeemed. See, as a Christian, I can walk confidently that I don't need more than what I've already been supplied by Christ to live this life. See, because it's not whether I feel saved, it's that I am saved. It's not whether I feel righteous, I am righteous. It's not whether I feel like I'm holy, I am holy. It's not whether I feel like I've been justified, I am justified. It's not whether I feel like I'm sanctified, I am sanctified. Why can I say that confidently? Because it doesn't come from me. Because it, you didn't produce it. What you didn't produce, you can't take away from you. Because if God produced it in you, it's there. That's why the Bible says that Holy Spirit of God, the, the gifts of God are irrevocable. What does irrevocable mean? That means they can never be taken back. The spirit that God has given you will never be taken back. Never. Because God already gave it to you. If you've been sealed by the Spirit of God, you have the Spirit of God. That's why the Bible says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. 
It doesn't say don't extinguish the Holy Spirit of God. You can't extinguish the Holy Spirit of God. It says don't grieve the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God in our lives will bring, will make us aware of our sin. The Holy Spirit of God in our lives will make us aware when we are walking away from God. When we are being, where we are, 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 when we are deviating from the path of God. The Holy Spirit of God will lead us in that way. Will let us know, hey, you're walking away from Lord. Hey, you're, right now your mindset is you're in a bad place. You better get it right with God. You know what? Right now, that thought that you have is unrighteous and unfruitful. You better repent of it. You know that word that you just said or those things you wanted to say, they're not right. You better repent. The Spirit of God is there for that. He says, don't grieve it. In other words, don't, don't, don't diminish that voice that God has given to us through his Spirit. But allow the Spirit of God to move in your life so that you can continue to walk in the sanctification that God has called you to. Verses 19 through 20 of chapter 1 of the book of Ephesians. We have to understand that his power is enough. Look at what he says. Look at what he tells them. He tells them the following in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19 through 20. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 through 20. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. You know, his power is sufficient for you to walk this Christian walk. You don't need any more power. He gave you all the power you need. You don't need to pray for more power. He already gave it to you. You don't need to fast for more power. He already gave it to you. When he gave you his Holy Spirit, he gave you everything that you needed. Everything that you needed. All you have to do is, Lord, I'm going to rely on your power that you already gave me. I'm just going to rely on you. I'm going to rely on your power that you're going to get me through this. I'm going to rely on your power that when I go pray for somebody, you're going to manifest your power and your grace. I'm going to rely on your power that as soon as I'm, 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 I'm in a struggle, I'm going to follow you and you're going to give me the power to get through it. I'm going to rely on your power, my God, that the moment that something comes against me, Lord, I'm going to rely on your power that that thing that comes against me is going to come down in Jesus' name. I'm just going to rely on your power. He says his power is enough. For me to walk in truth, for me to walk in righteousness, for me to remain in holiness, for me to continue in sanctification, for me to live a godly life, for me to show the fruit of the Spirit. Because it is the power of God that is being manifested in me and not my power. His power is enough for us. We don't need to seek more. He has already granted it to us. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, dwells in you, he who raised Christ from Jesus, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. He has given us 
enough of his power. Just rely on him. Rely on him. My brother and sister, you're going through something hard? Rely on him. You might say, that's too easy. Yeah, I would press the staples button and say that was easy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's easy. If you're willing to rely on him. Verses 21 through 23. Look at where Jesus sits. You want to know if Jesus is enough? Look at where he sits. Verses 21 through 23. Ephesians chapter 1. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. And every name that is named not only in this age but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You know what all means? All dominion. All authority. All rule. All power. That means he's over all things. That's why Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. That's why he says, no, that's why Isaiah says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That's why again in Isaiah he says, though the waves come, I'm not going to drown. Though the fire raises around me, I'm not going to get burned. When he says all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion, he's saying, I am above all things. I am sufficient for you. There is nothing to add to us because there is no greater than Christ. There is no greater than Christ. If you feel that you have to add something to your Christian walk, to make it more powerful, to make it more exciting, to make it more, I don't know, whatever it is. You don't need more. You need to rely on Christ, that he is all that you need. Let's pray. There is your seated. Father, we come before you. And we want to thank you, Lord, for today. We want to thank you for your mercy. We want to thank you for reminding us, my God, of who you are and what you've done. We want to thank you, Lord, that you are all sufficient today. And Lord, I pray that if there's anybody here that feels like they're lacking, my God, I pray that today, my Lord, that they have made been made aware my lord that if they trust in you there is no lacking of anything that if they confide in you there is no struggle that they cannot overcome there is nothing that they cannot be victorious over my god in this christian walk i pray my lord that you assure them of their salvation that you assure them my god of their place in you my lord and that, they might, that we may walk confidently in you, Lord, 
knowing that you will supply all our needs, my Lord. Knowing, my God, that in you is all that we need, my Lord. Help us, Lord, understand this. Help us, Lord, understand, my Lord, that to you has been given all rule, all power, all authority, Lord, over all things, over all dominions, Lord Jesus. And that everything is subjected to you, my Lord. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless.